Hello and welcome to Baka Banter, a podcast about all things anime and otaku culture. My name is Ravi and I'm joined by the lad whose bowels have really been letting him down today, Yanatan. <laughs> Do you want to say hi, Yanni? I hate that that's true. <laughs> listen, listen, I am not the biggest fan of spicy food, but I like it to some extent. I can handle it decently in terms of the spice in my mouth as a white person. But holy fuck, does it just absolutely fuck my stomach. The next day, the next morning, I absolutely wrecked and had some spicy Chinese food last night. Amazing. One of my favorite restaurants in New York. It's not doing me any favors today. It's been a struggle. I came to work today and I was like, huh, where's Yanni? And Yanni's girlfriend is like, oh, he's, uh, he's taking a shit. And I'm he's like, out of commission. Re- really? What's going on? She's like, oh, we went to uh, went to a spicy restaurant last night. I text Yanni. He's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm out. <laughs> I almost had to cancel the pod, but I rallied for all of you. You're welcome. We might have to take some edited breaks, but. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So what's going on? So a few things to talk about at the top of the episode. The first is probably that Anime Japan is going on right now. So there are a bit, a bunch of announcements for various shows and a bunch of cool things. I don't have like a full list of things to talk about. One of the most noteworthy things, though, was that Netflix announced that the next batch of episodes getting dropped for Stone Ocean is coming in the fall, which is a real feels bad because that's almost a year after the initial batch of 12 episodes. And look... The animators can take as long as they want, as long as they need to animate something. I don't mind waiting for it, but this release schedule really, really sucks for hypes. Everybody used to love JoJo Fridays and being able to actually talk about the part that was currently airing as it was coming out. But this experience has just been terrible because there's been some hype about the series as a whole, the part as a whole, and then just nothing in the discourse about it for just like weeks at a time. And apparently it's just going to be a year. So look, if we had had to wait longer at the beginning to get any of part six, I would have been totally fine with that. I don't mind waiting another year, another two years, but I really would want it to come out weekly and they can take some breaks if they need, but this has really killed discourse and that fucking sucks. I hate the batch drops for anime so much. Do you think Netflix is going to change that at all? The frustrating part about this is that they kind of did for some shows. Mm-hmm. Like when Kobe Can't Communicate came out last year with its first part, they did drop it weekly in the US as well. And then for other shows, they just don't. Like remember Beastars is being a Netflix purgatory. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, they do know that this is important and they drop them weekly. So like, I don't know what exactly is going on internally. I'm sure some people there realize it's a bad idea, but it's a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like when the entire anime community is an uproar, as it seems to be from the Twitter discourse, I mean, obviously, this is a bit of a a select population, maybe an echo chamber, but there are so many people who are saying this has ruined their watching experience. And if that's true, and Netflix is already struggling, given the emphasis they're placing on anime nowadays, they definitely should take viewers into account. Yeah. It's really a shame, especially for something like JoJo's that people have been highly anticipating this specific part, but it is what it is. A bunch of other stuff got announced. There's another Wit Studio project that I have never heard of in my life, but I'm sure will be fucking sick because it's Wit Studio and apparently anything they do now is good. Yeah. Why, why are you looking at me like, like that? Like the, uh, the solid ending we're getting to Ranking of Kings now? or Listen, there will be another time and place for us to discuss <laughs> the ending of Ranking of Kings and some of my frustrations with it. Overall... I still love that show, but 
We'll get, we'll talk about that. That's we'll, we'll get to it. There's two other things I want to talk about. One was, I don't think we talked about, we briefly mentioned it in our last episode with Tristan, but we did not actually fully talk about the Crunchyroll Funimation news. No, we haven't. So it got announced, if you haven't heard, that basically Funimation is shutting down as part of the merger and all of the Funimation titles are moving over to Crunchyroll and that's just going to be the default platform for now. At first glance, it was kind of like, this might be good news for anime fans because we are going to have all of that catalog available to us under one subscription in one place without having to pay for multiple streaming platforms. That at surface level seems good. Of course, people were wary about what this is going to mean for translators and people that are paid generally potentially worse under Crunchyroll than they were under Funimation. And then news came out that Crunchyroll is actually dropping their ad-supported free streaming for currently airing shows, apparently not for the backlog. So that caused people to be angry. That's honestly a stupid idea because it leads people to piracy. And then generally just the lack of competition is always, I think, concerning depending on what more of a monopoly will do. Of course, we still have Netflix and other players in the market, but that news did happen and we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, there's been a lot of speculation after that announcement about what's going to happen in a lot of anime spaces. And you talked about the effects it'll have on English voice actors, for example. Funimation, as Tristan mentioned in our last episode, has an in-house dubbing cast, whereas Crunchyroll doesn't. So the question is, what are we going to do with the entire English dub community? There's been a lot of discourse in that community about, are we going to unionize? Are we not going to unionize? What benefits will Crunchyroll enact for English VAs? Then there's also been a lot of questions about what alternatives do we have to Crunchyroll nowadays? For example, I think we've also seen Sentai now actually taking a stand and pulling a lot of their shows from Crunchyroll and placing them on High Dive. So we may actually have another competitor to Crunchyroll. But High Dive doesn't have even close to the membership numbers that Crunchyroll does nowadays. So we'll have to see how that actually plays out in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's for sure going to be interesting. I just hope, and this is unrealistic probably, but I hope as anime is becoming more popular and Sony, which now owns both of these, is making more money and anime is generally making more money for these companies that they will pay the people that actually work on the anime, whether that's, you know, the animators is more of like a production in Japan issue, but at least if these are American companies, that they're hopefully they're paying the, the dub and cast and the translators and all these people involved in making the anime better than they were before as anime gains more popularity and makes more money that's probably not going to happen but i really really hope that there are some positive changes in that direction and that people keep putting pressure on them to do that it is so so frustrating some of the moves they have made like the one removing their ad supported version how can they not see that there are a ton of people watching anime that don't have the financial means to pay for it anime is initially it was targeted And in Japan, it still is targeted to a youth demographic. That's a demographic that often isn't financially independent. How can they pay for this? And what other source will they then have for anime? It's going to be piracy. And you're seeing that happen online with, again, the entire discussion and the arguments about, oh, man, guess I'm just going to go and pirate the way I used to back in the day. And it's like, why are companies that could just offer the version that's ad-supported, fine, but it's free. Why are they removing that? That's so dumb. I mean, to be fair, most streaming services don't even have that to begin with. I think it was always great that Crunchyroll did. I mean, like you said, if you're a 12-year-old who's getting into anime, either your parents are paying for Crunchyroll now so you can watch stuff as it airs, or you have no alternative but to 
go pirate things. Yeah. Obviously, we prefer one or the other. I think with this move, Crunchyroll is clearly has somehow not seen the effects or other financial means have outweighed the benefit of continuing to provide the service. But I don't know. I hope they go back on it, but it seems unlikely. I'm sure the projection for them is similar to what Netflix has, that if you have the entire monopoly over the library, obviously people are going to have to pay for it to watch it, or otherwise yeah. they're not going to get it a different way. But the issue is... There's already a huge platform for people pirating anime, and that may not necessarily be true with a lot of other major shows being dropped on things like Netflix or HBO Max or other like Hulu's other streaming services. It's definitely a different space. And then the last thing I wanted to cover really quickly is actually we went to see Jujutsu Kaisen Zero in theaters last week. What do you think of the movie? I mean, we've already talked about this offline. No spoilers here. But a lot of people still probably haven't seen it or are going to wait till later to see it. Maybe later at some other time we will get to talk about it uh, in more depth. But just what was your TLDR takeaway from the movie? I think for me, the movie was a bit of a letdown. I know that's maybe unusual to hear given all of the hype it has, the scores it's getting online. And I had that hype for it when I went in. One of my friends went to see it before me, and he was like, man, this is a great movie, super emotional, animation is amazing. So when I went in, I went in expecting everything that MAPPA has done in the past with incredible animation and great storylines and great fights. And it didn't really hit for me. I I think there were a lot of plot elements that weren't fully borne out that didn't seem to play well with me at least. It seemed like there were some relationships that were thrown in that weren't fully developed and just came to a head near the end of it. I thought the animation, if you haven't seen it yet, look at the animation, especially in the first half compared to the second half. For me, there was a huge inconsistency where it seemed like a lot of the work and effort and time by the animators was put into the second half where a lot of the fights come to a climax as opposed to more of the first part. I guess those are my qualms about it. The great things, when the animation was great, it was actually amazing. It was great getting some backstory and seeing the characters in a setting prior to what we're actually seeing in the main series. And there are some actual elements from the main series that are referenced here. I won't go into spoilers with those, but <laughs> I was about to say it. I won't. Yeah, um, good. But, but yeah, what did you think? I think I liked it a little more than you overall. I mean, I think I agree that you can tell that this is a prequel and that this was written to basically get approval for the Shonen magazines to approve Jujutsu Kaisen being serialized. And you can definitely tell it has a lot of more tropey aspects of Shonen that I actually don't associate with Jujutsu Kaisen as much. To clarify, I think Jujutsu Kaisen is my favorite currently airing battle Shonen. The more I've thought about it, I think it's just the most mature, the least tropey, and that's what I like about it. And this movie definitely has some elements in terms of relationship development and a few other things that are just a little bit cliche. But for a prequel movie, I enjoyed it. I thought the battles were good overall. The animation, I noticed a lot less inconsistencies than you. I think there were a few early on, but overall, I was pretty content with the level that MAPPA put into it. And yeah, it was nice to get a little bit more backstory for the characters. It was just, I think, a fun time at the movie theaters if you're a fan of Jujutsu Kaisen already and you want to flesh that out. What I think is noteworthy is that you can actually go without having seen Jujutsu Kaisen without having seen the first episode of the series. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. And if you're going to do that, don't go with someone who's already seen it and then explains the entire premise to you in the theater. Don't do that. (laughs) We had some annoying people in the theaters doing shit like that and talking during the movie. But 
you can actually just go to it and enjoy it. And there are a few references you'll miss, but maybe it'll get you into the series. And I think that's actually a nice selling point for a movie like this, that it is connected to the franchise, but you don't have to be an expert to go into it. It might propel you to watch the show. But of course, it is better if you know a little bit more about what's happened in, in the series. I don't think this is a spoiler, but obviously characters from the main show are then recapitulated here. So, for example, you see characters from the other major school as well as Nanami. My boy. Yeah, he's my boy, too. I love that guy. As soon as a character showed up on screen, this couple that was sitting next to me, it was probably a date. But the girl (laughs) had seen the show and the guy hadn't. And he's just sitting there watching it. And the girl is narrating every moment about every character. They're like, oh man, that's Nanami. His ability is like, he has to hit like the two-thirds mark on this character. He causes extra damage. Actually, he has like an overtime fucking perk. And I was like, can you shut the fuck up, please? I'm just trying to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's also like literally a 30-second action scene where he's in, like he's trying to explain all this. It's like, please do that. The other thing I want to say is Maki's fucking hot. <laughs> I do agree with you there. Maki is... One of my favorite characters in the show, and this movie did a lot of good things for her. So Okay, yeah, I wasn't going to go into it, but yeah, there's a lot of relationship development and character development, especially for some of the quote-unquote side characters in the original. And some of those character development moments are really touching, so I I really like those. I will say, isn't JoJo's a battle shounen? (laughs) JoJo's... JoJo's is a battle shounen. Now you're making me question if I prefer JoJo's or if I prefer Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> Can I say it's a toss-up? <laughs> also, I did say currently airing. JoJo's is basically not okay, currently Okay, all right. Airing. You're going to play that loophole. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of how we felt about this movie, I think seeing an anime f- movie in theaters again was super fun. And if you like Jujutsu Kaisen, you should absolutely go see it. I think you'll have a good time. Whether you like it as much as I did or you liked it as much as Robbie did. I oh, you'll, you'll the other it. thing I didn't mention. The soundtrack is a banger. It's really good. God damn. Yeah. The intro song is so good. And they really went with the hype metal tracks or like the heavy rock tracks, which are a lot of fun to hear in the theater. And there's a lot of like English influence there, too. Also, the other thing that we noticed is Jujutsu Kaisen has more diversity, I think, than some casts in it as well. And so that was kind of fun to see. And there's a post credit scene. Stay for the post credit scene. Yes. That it? Yeah, why are you queuing me in? Like, now you have to do the transition. That was one of the longest, I think, little intro discussions we've had in a while. Told you I had a lot today. <laughs> Thought you had more. So on today's episode, Yanni and I have gloved up again for round two of our tournament arc, this time duking it out about our favorite husbandos. We'll be discussing what husbandos are, setting some ground rules so Yanni doesn't Will Smith the shit out of me today, and then getting down and dirty to crown our favorite husbando. So let's get into it. So, Yanni, if you could star in a BL Dojin from any series, which would it be? I have no idea, but I cannot skip over the fact that you just made a Will Smith Oscars joke. And like, I promise we're not going to do the Will Smith Oscars thing. Like, we, We're talking about anime. We don't have takes about this. I don't want to get into it, but just giving you a nod for the fact that you made that. And if you somehow missed that at the intro, just rewind a little bit if you want to hear well, the thing is, because of our release schedule, we're never like, quote unquote, currently on date. Like yeah. we don't we don't talk about current events that much. But yeah, that yeah. just happened uh, last night. <laughs> so, you know, what we recorded this episode. Anyways, yeah. to answer your UPL question, 
I thought you were just going to skip that. Like you skipped my uh, foot <laughs> fetish question. No, this one I couldn't skip. Uh, your PL question. I haven't watched that much PL. You don't have to. If it could be any show, but you'd be in a oh. PL situation. Oh. Oh. I'm talking about fan fiction, mm, man. I don't know. I got to think about that. Let me get back to you by the end of this episode. All right. That's it. <laughs> all right. That's all for the intro. So we're going to be doing our husband bracket. If you weren't with us for our waifu tournament bracket, you can go back, listen to that episode. If you want to see some of the explanations, some of the grand rules, I will very quickly explain everything here before we get into it. So we started off last time by talking about what a waifu or husbando even is. A waifu or husbando is a term for a fictional character in anime, visual novels, or manga that someone has great and maybe even romantic affection for. So some people describe a waifu or husbando as the embodiment of your ideal significant other just in a 2D form. But in practice, it often just means your favorite male or female character, likely to an extreme. It's usually how this goes as sort of the stereotype is for weebs. As context, Yanni literally just sent me a great image of the next waifu from his favorite video game, <laughs> Genshin. So this morning, yeah, I wake up and I'm like, huh, what's going to happen today, man? What am I going to read on the news? First thing I look at my phone, it's a fucking like image of some Genshin waifu. And I'm like, all right, nice. Good morning. Look, Good Genshin morning. character designs, if there's one thing that Genshin nails, it's character design. I'm never going to be able to escape that gacha game because of that. Spoken like a true addict. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So we talked about this a little bit last time on the waifu episode as well, but the term waifu likely originates from the 2002 anime Azumanga Daioh in episode 15, where a male character uses the English words my wife to refer to a woman rather than the actual Japanese translation for the term. And the male counterpart term husbando was actually not derived from anything in Japanese and was just sort of an analogy to waifu that was developed by swapping the male and female genders. So that's the background that you get, keeping it nice and short because we've already covered this, but just in case you haven't listened to that episode, there you go. All right, yep. how do we make this bracket? So the way that we did this, we went on a mile, took the top 32 male characters by favorites. And the way that we filtered is that we allowed no duplicate characters from a show. We had the requirement that at least one of us has to have seen the show uh, the character is from. So if you have a favorite show, and there's a highly rated character there that's a male, and neither of us have seen it. I'm so sorry it's not in here. You can complain to us on Twitter that we didn't include your favorite Hasbando. I'm sorry. You're really assassinating <laughs> all the Yuri on Ice fans right now. I'm Dude, none you. of the characters I don't think were even in the semblance of being on top. I don't even think I had to skip any of them. How is that possible? I might be wrong. But I don't remember. <laughs> so either I just skipped over. You start on fucking like page 10 of the bracket. <laughs> <No>. Like <laughs> what happened Either I here? just skipped quickly or yeah, I don't know. So those are basically the only two rules. And then we seeded the bracket from 1 to 32. And here's how we're going to fill out the bracket. So for every matchup, we're going to have a short debate about each matchup to see if we can reach a consensus. We'll just highlight what we like, what we don't like about each character, talk about their husbando potential, how much of a hard-on we have for them, all that kind of stuff. If we can reach an agreement, Robbie's eyes just fucking lit up at me <laughs> talking about having a hard-on. Well, first of all, I can't get that out of my mind now, but usually it's me making the innuendos and not you. <laughs> oh, role reversal for today. If we can reach a consensus where we agree, then that husbando moves on to the next round. If we disagree and are at an absolute deadlock, neither can be swayed. At some point, we will just cut to the debate and we'll have the husbando with the higher seating move on to the next round basically just acting like a fan tiebreaker. All right, so that's it. We're gonna get into the bracket now. On Twitter, 
uh, we will link the bracket itself. So if you listen to this episode, maybe before you listen to us go through our picks or after you want to fill out the entire bracket yourself and see who wins for you, go ahead. We'll link that on social media. Anything else I missed? Nope. Let's get into it. I'm going in blind. Let's get into it. I haven't it. seen any of the picks yet, so let's what do is it. our first matchup? All right. So our first matchup is number one seeded Lelouch Lamperouge from Code Geass versus number 32 seeded Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu. So we've both seen Code Geass, but only I have seen yes, Haikyuu, I have correct? no attachment to Haikyuu. I have no attachment to Code Geass. <laughs> but you've seen it. <laughs> I've seen Code Geass, but hell if I'm going to pick fucking Slender Man from this matchup out here, okay? Yanni almost spit out his water. So. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that you don't like characters with a god complex as your love interest? Dude, this man would not step on you. He would fucking murder you with his foot. He would curb stomp you. That's how strong his ego is, okay? Let's, let's be real out here. All right, so before we start talking about Lelouch, why don't you tell me a little bit about... Hinata from Haikyuu, his general husbando potential, how it compares to other characters in Haikyuu, maybe. The thing is, again, I really, really like sports anime, and Hinata is the classic protagonist from sports anime who's, you know, has some qualities or characteristics that may not lend to being a champion from a sports show. So, for example, in Haikyuu, it's volleyball. But He's a character that's persistent. He's a character that is struggling to win and has to overcome every adversity to actually end up winning. I haven't seen the latest season of Haikyuu, but throughout the entire development of his character, it's just a really fun watch seeing him bond and form relationships with his teammates. And I mean, personally for me, I play volleyball quite often, so I love this show. I really like the character. I guess this is a good point to ask. Clearly you like the character. That makes a lot of sense. Do you typically equate good character that you like with Hasbando, or does there need to be a little bit more sex appeal? Are there any traits you're looking for specifically where you might say, okay, Hinata's like a decent Hasbando because I like the character, but he's maybe not super top for me because he doesn't have X traits. He could be a top for me. <laughs> no, I don't think sex appeal. I mean, even for waifu, sex appeal is a part of it, yeah. but it's definitely a personality that I think is really the end-all be-all. Like, my favorite waifu is Revy from Black Lagoon. And I mean, the sex appeal is there for sure, but it's a personality that was the hottest part. And I think the same thing, uh, maybe I just don't want Lelouch <laughs> out here. I was wondering if this was more of like Hinata's by Hasbando or more of like a veto. It's more of a veto for yeah. Lelouch than saying, yeah, I want Hinata. Because again, like, you get the OP... Yeah shonen protagonist who really can't lose i mean he can lose that's a thing like at the beginning he's really struggling to form a team and he's short the quality is that he can jump really high that's why he works well with the best setter on the planet who can't work with anyone else because he's too much of a dick <laughs> and that's the entire dynamic of haikyuu like forming yeah. a team and hinata is the glue that sticks the team together he is like the person that the team forms around that charisma is something that i really like all right, well, talking a little bit about Lelouch, because I guess we have to. <laughs> Damn, I don't think you like Lelouch either from the sound of it. I like Lelouch, kind of. I'm not crazy about it. So I think I like him more than you do. I don't think he's a good husbando, if you want to just get that out of the way. Like I said at the outset, just way too much of a god complex here and does some just absolutely absurd, just nation-crushing shit in Code Geass that, yeah, I probably don't really need in by husbando. I will give him... A little bit of credit. I could see Lelouch defenders 
really liking him as a husbando because of the way he does actually care about characters that are close to him. So he does really care for his little sister. That's like his main driving force throughout the entire show. There's that other girl who's into him who then gets caught up in all of his bullshit, whose name I completely forget. But clearly he cares about her and like, spoilers for Code Geass, having to wipe her memory is a really painful thing. And that's one of the parts of Code Geass that I liked the most and was still in the first season when it was much better than when everything just escalated in like crazy ways in the second season. He also cares for Cece, whatever your fucking thoughts on Cece are. So he definitely has a little bit of that like caretaker mentality, but I I just can't deal with the fucking God complex. Like that's just too much. He definitely has a caretaker personality, but it definitely comes at the cost of anything else outside the people that he cares for, right? If you're not literally the person closest to him, you literally don't matter or you're an enemy. And that type of, I don't know, is that even a utilitarian mindset? I guess it's not because you don't really care about literally the state of the world or anyone else besides the two or three people closest to you. I do think he is an interesting character and made even more so interesting by the ending of Code Geass, which I guess we will not spoil, but we talked about it literally in the last episode with Tristan about how that is an ending that really sticks with you and does a lot of things really well and is surprising. And it does have a lot to do with one last turn of events for Lelouch's character. But again, all of these things, in my opinion, make for the character to be interesting, but not for husband material. So I'm happy to just concede this one to Hinata personally. <laughs> Holy shit. The 32 seed's gonna win. Oh, what an upset. There was some crazy upset last time too. I don't think it was the one though. The one was Kurisu and she made it really far, so... Yeah, she made it far. I was going to ask, is Lelouch even a hero? He's the protagonist, but he functions more like an anti-hero in the show, especially in season two. Yeah, he definitely blurs the lines between hero, anti-hero. I guess a lot of that depends on what your association is with who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in Code Chaos. So some people I'm sure are more like Suzuku people and just relate to him a lot more. So really depends on whose side you're on and in the entire conflict yeah. of the show. All right. Well, winner is Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu. All right. So second matchup is 16th-seeded Kamina from Gurren Lagan versus Arataka Reagan from Mob Psycho. Who's seated 17th, by the way. So I've seen both of these shows. You actually haven't seen Gurren Lagan, which fucking surprises me. I don't know why. No, it's definitely one of those classics that I'm still waiting on because I think I will really like it. I mean, there are a few, like Legend of the Galactic Heroes. There are some old isekai that I've still been meaning to watch. To be uh, fair, Legend of the yeah. Galactic Heroes is like hundreds of episodes, so I can see why you haven't gotten to that. Have you met me? <laughs> Gurren Lagan is like the trigger Genesis story, basically, and it's two cores. You're not committing to that much, but... Yeah, you'll like it. I mean, I'm committing to getting let down at the end, so... <laughs> no, this is one of those shows that doesn't do that for once. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. It does go to space, though, which you could have guessed. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that one. Um, why don't I start with Reagan? Reagan is actually a character that I really like in Mob Psycho. Mm-hmm. I love Mob Psycho. I think Reagan is one of the most interesting characters, and his relationship with Mob is super interesting. Obviously, it starts as kind of this exploitative relationship where he's fooling him into thinking that he has psychic powers as well and using him to complete jobs and make money. But of course, over time, he becomes a lot more of a mentor for Mob. There's this really emotional scene in season two where he sort of realizes that he actually is kind of a loser and like needs Mob as much as Mob needs him, and their relationship becomes a lot more equal and symbiotic. That was one of the most touching 
episodes of Mob Psycho. By the way, I'm fucking hyped for season three of Mob Psycho. That's going to be fucking sick. So I really like Reagan as a character. As a husbando, <laughs> are you kidding? Do me? I want him as a husbando? <laughs> Dude, as a husbando, this man, sure, he may be a bit of a dick initially, but he'd love you. He would love you. He would definitely simp for you hard. He may use you yeah. for money. <laughs> that's the thing. He I'm, may exploit you a little bit. That's the thing I'm concerned about. But he would about. love you. That's the thing I'm concerned about. I don't know. I, I I think deep down, I really like Reagan as a character. And as you said, that symbiotic relationship with Mob is the best part of the show for me. Like watching them develop together is by far and away the best part of Mob Psycho. It is actually pretty interesting that we have Kamina as the counterpart here because he has a very similar relationship with a pupil of his in Gurren Lagan. He is Simone's mentor and everything that he does in the show makes Simone grow into the character that he is throughout the show. So it's very interesting that we have two sort of mentor figures that are both very good. I fucking love Kamina. <laughs> and I gotta look up a picture. Yeah, of look up a picture because, of Kamina uh, because my guy's fucking hot. <laughs> damn, those glasses, baby. It is really hard to tell you everything that I like about Kamina without spoiling something for you. <laughs> and so yeah, don't I'm do, not going to do, do that. that. But it's really a shame. Damn, does he have enough fucking no, abs? No, he does not have enough fucking abs. <laughs> also, look at the girl that he fucking is able to pull in the show. Fucking Yoko is an... Absolute, just top class waifu material. And he's got her absolutely simping for him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. simping for him. This is still the classic waifu of wearing no Oh, clothes. absolutely. And look, Gurren Lagan as a show is absurd. It is the classic trigger bullshit. It actually wasn't officially trigger. It's still a Gainax show, but just had a lot of the people that went on to found Studio Trigger. And it's a mech show that has all the absurdest elements of trigger stuff that you have come to know completely takes everything over the top power systems that make absolutely zero sense but it is a pretty amazing show and Kamina is the initial hook to that show he's the most dynamic character the most interesting character the one who you really want to root for who everybody comes together around the beginning of the show is really a bunch of characters who are living underground and He's the first one that is able to pull all of them and pull these rebels out of the underground and actually confront the mech threat that they basically have to defeat in order to not be scared and living underground anymore. So he's super charismatic. He has this mentor relationship. I really can't talk about the rest of the stuff, but he's an amazing character. <laughs> and he's fucking hot. So. All right. Sounds like you want to go for Kamina in this one. I would like to do that. All right. I'll take that one, too. I looked up that picture, man. <laughs> I really like Reagan too, though, to be fair. He's one of the characters that I really, really like um, from recent anime. But not Hasbando material. He's going to trick you. I don't need trust issues <laughs> in my relationship. <laughs> All right. Winner of the second matchup is Kamina from Gurren Lagan. Third matchup is number eight-seeded Naruto Uzumaki from Naruto versus number 25-seeded Tanjiro Kamado from Demon Slayer. I'm just ready to give this to Naruto, okay? Because Are I fucking serious? hate Tanjiro. I cannot stand Tanjiro. My God. This man cannot get one plot event done without either Nezuko saving his ass or him remembering his family. It makes me want to throw That's up. That's fucking hilarious. So, first of all, I agree with that. 
<laughs> I don't know if I agree with giving it to Naruto, but I do agree with the fact that that part of Tajiro's character fucking annoys the shit out of me. I also think it's fucking hilarious that we have just the most classic shonen protagonist, one from the old gen, one from the yeah. new gen, just matched up in the first round. And that is Fate somehow. No, nah, Fate's a different <laughs> show. I've seen some Naruto, but not that much. So I can't comment on what is Naruto's development like? Does it get better? But you at least know his personality, right? He is the typical rags to riches underdog story of this kid is bullied as a child. He has a tragic background where, I don't know, can I spoil Naruto <laughs> at this point? It's fucking like 900 I'm not going to watch so. it, so... I mean, is he has a background where both of his parents die. He has a demon fox inside of him. He has the nine tails inside of him. And he basically is shunned as a kid. He's isolated and he has to grow up. And he eventually, spoilers, he becomes the Hokage. Yeah, that's the typical shonen protagonist out here. But he is the framework for shonen. This is one of the shows that was developmental for the entire genre. I do not feel that strongly about this. So you clearly do. And I'm fine to give it to Naruto. Believe it. <laughs> if it was solely up to me, I would pick Tanjiro. Not that I feel strongly about it. And my reasoning would be, although he does have all those annoying fucking character traits, especially the remembering of family ass pull at every single fight is like really fucking annoying. But that has more to do with the overall writing in Demon Slayer than anything else, honestly. Sure. What I do appreciate about Tanjiro is that Demon Slayer as a show is definitely more brutal than a lot of other shonen and some of the older shonen. And what I particularly like about Tanjiro is that he has this overall calm persona where he realizes that these demons need to be killed and he can still appreciate and be sad for and mourn for the life that they led, what led them to becoming demons and have a sort of care to executing them that I think doesn't really exist in a lot of other protagonists in the same sort of nice way that it's portrayed in Demon Slayer. And that's what I really like about Tanjiro more than a lot of other shonen protagonists. But again, I don't really care about this that much. So, Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the confidence that allows him to overcome all of the fear of facing these demons. And I think that was even clearer in the latest season where he's clearly outmatched, but he still has the willpower to go through with it, which is great. I just think Naruto does a way better job. Of course, it's way longer, so you get a lot more time to spend with the character, see him develop. Naruto, in some sense, is brutal as well, just obviously not so much as Demon Slayer because Demon Slayer compacts a ton of very hard-to-watch, devastating events within a few episodes, even initially. Naruto doesn't do that. Every time I watch Demon Slayer, I... I'm like surprised by how much gore there is and how much slight horror elements they are. And like my little niece and nephew both really like Demon Slayer and they're like 10 to 15 in some range years old. And every time I watch it, I'm like thinking of them watching Demon Slayer and I'm like, is this okay? I'm like, are you guys okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we also listen to Low by Florida as kids. <laughs> so do we really know what we were listening to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, I uh, am fine seating this to Naruto. You care about it more than I do, so let's just, let's go with that. All right. So winner is Naruto Uzumaki from Naruto. All right, matchup four is we have Hachiman Higaya from Origairu versus number 24 seated Natsu Dragneel from Fairy Tail. Yeah, I'm going to give that to Natsu. <laughs> So. You're taking the piss. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay, There's good. no way. <laughs> I have not seen Fairy Tale, so I have literally nothing to say about Natsu. Shocking. <laughs> As for Hachiman, 
I like Origairu a lot. That's going to be a focus of our next episode, spoiler alert. But Hachiban is a really, really good protagonist in a lot of ways. People seem to love him. I think he's like relatable. He definitely has this angsty high schooler, like nothing really matters. Why should I fall in love or have friends or like do any of the normal things that high schoolers do? And then through the events of the show, comes to realize that some of those things are important. That's a trope that a lot of people connect to that I definitely don't connect to as much, but I definitely still find him very interesting. He's fucking funny. His deadpan face when all these antics are happening in the show are really funny. The dynamic that he has with Yui and with Yukino, I think works really well. They bounce really well off of each other as a trio. I'm assuming you're also a fan. Yeah, I'm also a fan. This is a surprising pick for me because usually the characters that I jive with are the ones that are relatable. And I think Hachiman is built to be a character that's not relatable. In the universe that he exists in, he exists outside the sphere of influence of a lot of normal social dynamics. By existing outside of it, he can peer into them and play with them and toy with them in ways that other people wouldn't. And that gets him into a lot of trouble throughout the entire show. I think existing at that point is... A place maybe people who feel isolated, you know, can, but usually they don't have the power that Hachiman has in the show. That you don't usually have two fucking hot <laughs> girls fawning over them. That's fucking true. And then also they have the ability to talk to people throughout all of the echelons of the social hierarchy and have them bend to his will. And that's what happens in Orogairu. He literally exists at the center of the school dynamic. Yeah, it is a little bit reminiscent of Araragi from Monogatari. And if you look at pictures of them next to each other, you'll be like, huh, those looks kind of similar. I think they have different ideologies at the end of the day, but they both have this innate ability to present themselves as loners, quote unquote, but actually be people that are like relatively liked and popular within the school setting. That I agree is not really relatable, but I think for a lot of weebs, probably the feeling of like, Actually being a loner or feeling like you are on the outside looking in of social circles probably is relatable. And a lot of his internal monologues do reflect that. Of course, then we get into the love triangle, the rom-com aspect. Damn, fuck me up, Yanni. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep slapping me down, man. So I really like Hachiman as a character. He'd be my pick here. Do you have anything to say for this fucking fairy tale boy? Yeah, so I was going to get to Natsu a little bit. First of all, it's really colored by the fact that Fairy Tale is one of the worst shonen that I have ever seen. <laughs> I hate Fairy Tale. And the reason is because, you know, whereas in some shows, some major shonens, you do have the friendship solves everything dynamic. In Fairy Tale, literally, the friendship is the entire show and will solve any battle. Like, literally, any battle, we're getting absolutely demolished by fucking the enemy. Power of friendship shows up. Natsu fucking powers up, kills everyone. It's like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Where is this coming from? But he's the classic shonen protagonist where he's like super hype, super loud, overly charismatic, super dynamic personality. And then the entire show crumbles around him. So it's hard for me to give it to him as a protagonist. Would I rather have him as a husbando than Hachiman? Probably. But I hate him so much that I can't. I was kind of joking when I actually want him as a husbando. I think the best elements of Hikigaya and some of my favorite parts are actually when he's having conversations with his sister too. That brother-sister relationship they have in that show is one of my favorite in anime besides Oremo. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Why are you like this? (laughs) 
Sorry, you want me to talk about fucking Era Manga Sensei instead? <laughs> no. <laughs> but the brother-sister dynamic in Origairu is so great. It's so emotional, especially in the later seasons where, slight spoiler, there's a period when Komachi gets into school and she gets into her preferred high school and the moment where she does the thank you Onisan, that had me like tearing up, dude. That's such a really great scene. Kind of piggybacking off of that, the one relatable thing for me about Hachiban is not necessarily his perspective on life and specifically high school life, but his relationships with characters, like the way he actually does in his own way care a lot for his younger sister, the way that he cares for both girls that are part of this love triangle, which he like totally doesn't have to, the way he cares for the other character that's introduced later, Iroha, who's his younger sort of classmate. That was a weird relationship, dude. <laughs> that relationship came out of nowhere. I like Aroha, so... <laughs> I don't dislike Aroha. I was just like, why do you like Hachi? The thing with Hachiman is That's like, a different thing. I feel like the characters start liking him because he's able to solve situations, but he solves them in the most cancer ways. <laughs> God, why do you say shit like that? Um, <laughs> yes, we'll talk a lot about Origairu and the, the plot devices that Origairu uses and how convoluted it is and all that stuff, but the point of that was that the way Hachiman cares for other people, I think it's pretty genuine, even if it's his own way. And that I do actually relate to quite a bit. And that I think is a good husbando trait. So want to give it to Hachiman? Sounds like we're in agreement. So let's do it. All right. Winner of matchup four is Hachiman from Origairu. All right. Number five, we have number four seated Monkey D. Luffy from One Piece versus number 29 seated Kazuma Sato from Konosuba. Again, I am reading these literally in real time. I have not seen these matchups before. Fuck, dude. Give me your thoughts. Luffy is one of my favorite protagonists in Major Shonen. As a character, he is who I think of when I think of Shonen protagonists. He is the largest character in Shonen. I don't think there are many people who haven't heard of One Piece or haven't heard of Luffy. And as a character, he's just really great at building the dynamic of the team of the ship of the crew he is the glue that holds them together as i talked about before with hinata he is funny and aloof and always getting into trouble and at the same time when push comes to shove can step up to the role can become serious and can really get things done and i really like that in a character the comparison, though, is to one of my favorite genre characters, who is Sato from Konosuba. God damn, I wish I could be this man. <laughs> Why can I not be in the fucking Konosuba world, please? <laughs> my guy just wants to be Kazuma so badly. I do, I just want to be Kazuma. The character relationships in Konosuba are hilarious. I mean, it's one of my favorite Drives the shows. Whole show, yeah. and, and so, like... Do I want to be in his shoes? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he gets stuff done. You know, he's the one always solving the situation that Aqua is out fucking wrecking things and Kazuma has to be solving the situation. I mean, the funniest part about Konosuba is that he has no power. That's the whole gimmick at the beginning is that he thinks he's going to get this amazing isekai power and he gets fucking nothing. And then he amasses this party of three other characters who in theory have very cool powers, but... Each of them have their own trope that allows them to be completely dysfunctional altogether and not get anything done. And he's the only one that through like his normal powerlessness means has to be the one to 
basically keep them all together and literally feed them. There are early episodes where him and Aqua are like sleeping in a barn and like he's the one yeah. who makes money so that they can actually live somewhere else and eventually like buy this house. And then Aqua just fucking goes and drinks and gambles. He's the only one who's like rational in this party. And that's what makes it so funny. I don't know enough about Luffy, honestly. I know him as this big name shonen protagonist. I don't really know a lot about him. You know him. the idea of Luffy, but the thing is, the question I think we have to ask is, would you rather have Luffy as his bando or Kazuma as his bando? And I think adventuring with Luffy, my dude, would be the shit. I honestly do not have that strong of an opinion because I don't know Luffy that well, like I said. I think Kazuma is hilarious as a character and specifically his dynamics with all the other characters. Not as Esbando, though. My guy is also running around stealing girls' panties. So, so like... You don't want that. So I probably you don't want don't that want from your that. boy. <laughs> I like him as a character to watch. He's probably going to steal my panties. And, like, I don't want that, so... Dude, Luffy is so flexible. <laughs> think about all the things he could do to you. Quite like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to go from Monkey D. Luffy. Let's do it. All right, winner is Luffy from One Piece. Matchup six... This is going to be a fucking joke. <laughs> Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen versus Alucard from Helsing. So I actually haven't seen Helsing, so I cannot say anything about Alucard. The man's a vampire. He's going to fucking murder you day one. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, some people are into that. First of all, we, we don't kick shame on Bakovic. I will say Alucard is hot. <laughs> Listen, as a persona... This guy is so fucking overconfident. I mean, he's immortal. Like, he's obviously going to be overconfident, right? He is suave. He has the sexy voice actors portraying him. Like, such a good personality. I was going to say, I just looked him up and really not my cup of tea in terms of, like, hotness. But it doesn't really matter because he's up against Gojo. And I want to get fucked by Gojo. So. <laughs> <laughs> man takes off his blindfold and Yanni is immediately wet. Seriously. He is fucking hot. Obviously, he's like an overhyped hot because everybody thinks he's hot. But he is a great character in the sense that he sets a very definitive power ceiling for all characters in Jujutsu Kaisen. Everybody, including the bad guys, recognize how ridiculously overpowered he is and have to basically plan their attacks around the idea that he might be there. On top of that, he's funny, he's aloof, he's a good mentor. Well, good question mark, but he's an effective, in some ways, mentor for all the kids. That he cares about his students to the point that he actually has yeah. a rebellious side to him when he's interfacing with the higher-ups. And that's a really great element. I was about to mention that, that that is one of my favorite things about Jujutsu Kaisen as a series, but also about Gojo, is that it shows that the Jujutsu sorcerer world is corrupt or amiss in some way that the higher-ups are very conservative and traditional and gojo knows how op he is and he uses the fact that they need him in order to basically rebel and say fuck the system as it is we should do things differently we should treat people with humanity even if they have curses inside them and all that kind of stuff and i'm really excited to learn more about him see more of his powers but he's hot he's a great character he cares about people like it's a fucking complete package, baby. Step on me, daddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't really compete against that. He also has one of the hottest character designs in anime right now. You just see the eye and you know exactly what we're in for. This yeah. is not even like, this is yeah. not even a competition. Yeah. So, gonna give it to Gojo? Hit it, baby. All right, winner is Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. Matchup number seven is Rintaro Okabe from Steinsgate. He is seated five versus C20... 
8. Senku from Dr. Stone. Mad scientist, man. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't think this is a close one. I mean, like, Dr. Stone is an okay anime. It really wowed me in season one, and then season two kind of dropped off a little bit, so I haven't been that excited to watch it. Senku is a protagonist where, again, he's dependable. You can rely on him to actually get things done, to have the knowledge. It's very interesting that it is a science shonen to get things done in a scientific way. It was a very fun premise. As a husbando, though, you got to pick Okabe every time. He's really your boy. Okabe is a character that I absolutely fucking love. The one knock against him as a husbando is like, could you really handle all of his shenanigans all Dude, the time? Dude, he would spice up my life. <laughs> He definitely would do that. <laughs> the shenanigans are over the top. Of course, as you watch Science Gate, you find out why his mad scientist persona is the way that it is. And that is super touching. And as things devolve more in the plot, he becomes more serious. In Science Gate Zero, he's very serious because he's just fucking depressed all the time. Yeah. And he, we talked throughout this bracket about characters caring about other characters and that being a trait that is important to us. He is probably, out of anyone, the one who is willing to go to extreme lengths to save the people that he cares about and that's actually what he does in the show so yeah i gotta go with that as well you know when i think of friends that i would have liked to have had in life yeah i think of okabe my man such a good friend like really cares about the people around him and tries his utmost to actually not only entertain them but make sure that they are living happy lives. He cares about those things. And you see that. And that's, I guess, the pivotal aspect of Steinsgate is how much he struggles and loses mentally in efforts to preserve his friendships. And as a husbando, it's my boy. Yeah. We're in. Right. We're in. Mad scientist, baby. All right. Winner is Rintaro Okabe from Steinsgate. So cool. <laughs> so cool. All right. Matchup number eight is number 12 seated Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop versus number 21 seated Shoto Todoroki from My Hero Academia. Men versus boys, baby. <laughs> really you know how many people are probably going to go for Shoto in this one? <laughs> We've talked quite a bit about My Hero on this podcast and how much it has declined in a lot of ways in the past season especially but in the past few seasons i actually quite like todoroki i think he's one of the more compelling characters in my hero given his dramatic childhood upbringing given the way that he has these two sides of him and one side that he's completely trying to suppress that is the quirk that he inherited from his dad who basically fucking abused him as a kid and the one that he's trying to embrace which is the one that his mom passed down to him and him having to also struggle with meeting expectations as sort of this like perfect childhood hero that everybody thinks has the best quirk ever and him having to deal with that pressure. I think he's really compelling in a lot of ways and is better written than a lot of characters in My Hero are. A lot of the people we either don't get to spend much time with or are very tropey like Deku or even downright annoying like fucking Bakugo. I can't stand Bakugo. Or just sexually assault people. Yeah, or just sexually assault people. So I quite like Todoroki. Spike Spiegel, my guy's got a dramatic past and like he's probably going to be fucking thinking about his lover the entire time. Yeah, this time man's going to be suicidal, <laughs> dude. You're going to have to wake up every morning being like, hey, man, is he all right? Like, is he still here? What's going on? But he's hot. <laughs> yeah, of course he's hot. <laughs> if I'm talking about my husbando, like who would I rather hang out with? I'm definitely trying to hang out with Spike aboard the Bebop. I'm trying to chill. I'm trying to have shenanigans. I'm trying to have some banter. Spike is a much more compelling character, a much more attractive character just way more of an actual adult that is interesting that i would want as my husband versus todoroki who i like but you know 
he's a kid at the end of the day. So, hey, man, I mean, Steve Bloom can speak dirty to me any day. Yeah, so. exactly. So you have the same take? I think I do. I, I really like Spike's character. Cowboy Bebop is one of my favorite shows. I know it's one of your favorite shows as yeah. well. And it's hard to beat a character from that show as compared to a character from My Hero Academia. It's hard to take a character out of the context of the show. I mean, we're learning that today, even with yeah. some of these other shows. So even if you have a really compelling character from a really shit show, it's hard to disengage those two. So yeah, I agree. Winner is Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. All right, matchup number nine. We have number two seated, of course we do. Number two <laughs> seated Levi from Attack on Titan versus number 31 seated Rimuru Tempest from that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I think this is our first matchup where we actually have a sexless character. So I should note that Rimuru is not defined as either male or female. In his previous life, he was, but currently, Rimuru is sexless. And Levi is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take us back to our waifu tournament bracket. Spoiler alert for that, if you haven't listened. Where we were in agreement that Mikasa's getting bounced just first round. We were like, <laughs> everybody simps for her. We're like, nah. That attack on Titan waifu, too much going on. Too many hots for Eren. We don't like it. We need more character development. Levi can't get bounced here. We can't have a repeat of that. <laughs> Do you want him in his battle gear or do you want him in his house clothing? I want him, oh, the house clothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want that cloth napkin on the yeah. head? You want that cleaning look? Yeah, oh, I yeah. fucking do. Made Levi? <laughs> in a little bit more seriousness, and none of this is fucking serious, so I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> Levi, obviously, super hot. He's got a voice actor that I really fucking love. He's got a ton of fucking sex appeal. His Battle scenes are probably the best in the show. He's kind of the epitome of this battle shonen cool side character that all the characters in the show look up to as sort of the number one. I think he definitely has some depth to him. I wouldn't say, I mean, we talked before about how Attack on Titan's characters are not the deepest part of the show. I think Levi's emblematic of that. He definitely has some stuff going on in terms of his relationship with Zeke, in terms of his relationship with Erwin. There's definitely some stuff there. They don't really explore him fully, but he's still so fucking badass and so hot, minus his height, that I think you kind of got to give it to Did him. Did you say minus his height? <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, he's short. I know for you, though. <laughs> no, but he actually is short in the show. Yeah, I know he's short. but Okay, yeah, but I'm fine with that. No height in bed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. I oh god how did I come back from that one I will say that Attack on Titan does spend so much more time on the lore than it does on individual characters whereas the Ackermans have a really cool lore behind them Levi himself was that a spoiler <laughs> no I think it's fine you didn't say anything specific but we know his name is Levi Ackerman. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. They do dive some into his backstory with Kenny as well. I should mention that, that that part of season three, part one, was also very good and fleshed him out a little bit more. Okay, cool. Yeah, so hopefully that's not a spoiler. But yeah, yeah as, as opposed to the Ackerman lore, Levi as a character just doesn't get the development that he deserves. I, I think none of the characters really do. And that's unfortunate because Attack on Titan... It's not a show that I want to look back on, say this had so much more potential. I think it is a great show. And as a story about this entire world, the world building is the deepest part of it. And that's a really great thing. It's not a perfect story by any means. And I think Levi falls prey to that 
nature of these giant shows of trying to develop history over time as opposed to individual characters. Yeah. Do I think he's a great character? Do I think he's hot? Yeah, for sure. I should probably talk about Rimuru because you haven't seen that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Yeah. Rimuru follows in that trend of characters that are overpowered being placed into not only isekai, but just generally in a lot of shows nowadays. As a character, they start off in this world as like a low-level slime, and then in literally the first one or two episodes, immediately become overpowered, like are able to use every fucking magical trait or element in the fucking universe out here. (laughs) And eventually, throughout the course of the show, and it's multiple seasons now, build a nation and develop into a character that is super reliable, that is very attractive, that is looked up to by all of the people around them. And so, as a husbando, also definitely up there. But it's just unfortunate with the matchups that you can't really compete against Levi. Yeah. Too much sex appeal. Yeah. All right. So we're going to pick Levi from Attack on Titan. Matchup number 10, we have 15th seeded Joseph's Joestar from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure versus number 18, Koyomi Araragi from Monogatari. This is going to be all you, baby. I thought you had seen part of Battle Tendency. Am I crazy? Oh, yes. I have seen like four episodes. Okay, so you've at least seen a little bit of Joseph. Yes, I've met Joseph. You might be surprised by this, but I think I prefer Joseph here personally. I, I actually not that surprised. Okay. I mean, as a character, like super, super attractive, super cool personality. Yeah. Joseph was my favorite JoJo protagonist until Jolene. I'm just going to sit back. <laughs> and I think that's like not a hot take at all. He's a lot of people's favorite because he's the most charismatic. And coming off of Jonathan from part one, who was a lot more of just like a traditional sort of hero, very English gentleman kind of persona. Joseph is living in America. He's more of a rebel. He's funny. He's flamboyant. He is like all the things you associate with a JoJo's protagonist. He is it. He's full of personality. And that makes him easily one of my favorite characters in all of JoJo's. Now, if we're talking about older Joseph in part three or in other parts, He's like an old senile man at that point. <laughs> like That's a lot less interesting. Those are some slight spoilers, I guess. Is he a silver fox? or uh... Uh, Maybe in part three, he's a little up your alley. But past that, I don't really know. You know what they say. What do they say? With age comes experience. <laughs> sure, you can factor that in if you want. So he is a really just fun character with a ton of personality that really carries part two. Part two, I think, is the turning point for a lot of people with JoJo's, where part one is only 10 episodes, but it is a little slower, more traditional, a little bit more boring, really focused on Jonathan and Dio's rivalry, and that's kind of it. Part two really kicked it up a notch, and Joseph is the reason for that. We still don't get stands introduced until the next part, but even with the Haman system still being in place, he really carries the personality of the show. His relationship with Caesar is amazing. I can't fucking stress that enough. That is like a fucking amazing bromance. Maybe actually that's where I want to be in the middle of. Can I get a little love triangle between (laughs) Joseph and Caesar from your question at the outset of the pod? Like maybe that's what I'm picking. Damn, all right. (laughs) I don't know. I have to think about it more, but it's a contender. Are you talking about a love triangle? We're talking about a threesome. Those are different. Both? (laughs) Switching to Araragi, 
But Agatari is my favorite franchise. People know that by now. Araragi is a really good protagonist for the series. He's super interesting. Same VA as Levi, actually. And you spend a lot of time in his head until things start to switch around perspective. But yeah, even you do. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but even when those things do, he really is the focus of the show. And his relationships with all the other characters, all the other girls, the harem that he cares about, does develop into a really touching story. Of course, there are things about Araragi that are irredeemable. It's told from his POV, so he's like looking girls up and down. The camera work does not shy away from that. There are panty shots. There's a running gag where he fucking assaults a basically elementary school lolly. Like that is just a thing. There's the toothbrush scene, so he's a little bit of a siscon. Sorry, I thought those are the two same things when you say assaults a lolly. Oh, no. They're not the same. (laughs) They're not the same at all. That's different from the toothbrush scene. Oh, God. And all of those relationships end up being fleshed out. And again, it's told from his POV. But a lot of those things, like, they're just indefensible. And I don't want him as a husbando, even though we talked about with Hachiman, he does have that same bit of a loner persona, but that he's actually really popular with everyone. And that is intriguing. And he's very interesting in a lot of ways. But yeah, I got to go with Joseph on this one. Despite how much I actually do like Araragi as a protagonist, not the husbando for me. I'm sorry. All right, you know, I'll go with yours on that one because I haven't seen Araragi yet, but Joseph is husbando material. Yeah. So winner is Joseph's Joestar from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Matchup 11, we have number 7 seeded Edward Elric from Full Metal Alchemist versus number 26 seeded Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler. All right, you got like a traditional honest husbando here. Yeah. So... Are we really not going to give it to Sebastian? I haven't seen Black Butler, so you got to convince me. You haven't me. seen Black Butler? No. All right, all right. So if you can imagine a guy taking care of you, true husbando material, this man will wait on you head and foot. He also has a sexy-ass VA. <laughs> That's what Sebastian is. Sebastian is just a really, really great character. I don't think Black Butler shines in terms of his character development, especially in terms of Sebastian, because he starts off immediately as number one husbando in the show. There is no like going up or down. He <laughs> is just the number one. This is the fanfic that yeah. everyone has. Him and CL is like true BL material. So when we think about Sebastian as compared to Edward Elric as his bando material, like Edward is a great character. One of the best shows that I've ever watched. I think it may be a 10 on my Mal. But Edward as a husbando, though, like, I don't think you really want an incendiary character who's trying to fucking get everyone killed and, like, start wars in the nation as your husbando. I agree, but my guy also bagged Winry. So... <laughs> Listen, if Winry were on the fucking waifu list, I would say yes, but it's not. It's not, is it? Yeah, I also just looked up a picture of Sebastian, and he's pretty hot, so I'm pretty fine to go with that. I, I like Full Metal Alchemist. I like Edward as the protagonist of it. It's a really great show. People should watch it. Definitely a, a genre-defining shonen. I don't think I like Full Metal Alchemist as much as everyone else. I really liked it, but I think everybody's like, masterpiece, like number one anime of all time, and I thought it was really good, and... Kind of that's about it. I also haven't seen it in a while, though, so we need to see if my feelings on it are changed. But I don't feel any, like, super strong attachment to Edward. I think his relationship with Alphonse is really nice. There are a lot of other characters he has good relationships with in the show. But, yeah, a little bit angsty. I mean, fair enough, given what fucking happened to him. But, like, 
I'm happy to go with your little BL dream here for a little while. I mean, the sex appeal of Sebastian is just too hard to beat. Uh, shout outs to obviously J. Michael Tatum for really bringing that character to life. Such a hot VA performance. I cannot imagine how many people out there are just, mm, Sebastian. <laughs> All right, hit it. All right, winner is Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler. Number 12 is 10th seated Ken Kaneki from Tokyo. Cool. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Versus number 23-seated Hotoro Oreki from Hyoka. Ken Kanaki is like the edgelord of the universe. <laughs> like, this man will not stop edging you is so fucking deep into the edge that it's unbelievable. So we got to go with Oreki is what you're He's saying? like, I'm going to dye my hair white, and I am going to fucking sit there and stare you up and down. I'm not going to touch you at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I actually haven't seen Tokyo Ghoul either, but I know all the memes about him being an absolute edgelord in that show, just being a fucking edgefest. <laughs> Hyoka is a show I really like. Oreki's a protagonist I really like. He has sort of a similar, like, Hachiman-esque loner persona, but it's less, I guess we just said edgy, but it is less edgy. It's more toned down. It's more like, he just doesn't really want to exert himself too much, but he's not as much of a loner as Hachiman or even Aragi. He's kind of willing to have friends, but like as long as it doesn't cause him too much trouble in his life. And that definitely changes throughout the show. He also has an amazing ship that does not get realized throughout the show. That's actually one of the things I love most about Hyoka, even though it's there. Yeah, I think he's dependable. He's going to solve some slice of life crimes for you. Who doesn't need that every now and again? You're probably going to join his literature club. It's going to be a great time. If it ever comes to it, if we have a matchup between Oreki versus Hachiman... That's going to be a hard matchup because on one hand, I like Hachiman's personality throughout the entirety of Origairu. But the thing is, in Hyoka, the character development for Areki is so much better, I think. He clearly changes from the first episode to the last episode. His ability to realize that there is this rose-colored life that he has been missing this entire time. And initially, he despises that. It's something that he thinks... He would never do. His entire goal in life, as you said, is to exert the minimal effort possible to get through life. And at the end of it, because of the influence of the other characters, he realizes that a rose-colored life is something that may bring joy to him. And that character development arc is just one of the best I've seen in anime. And the ending, which we won't spoil, is just so emotional. I love the ending. I stand for The ending ending is amazing. And like... Even though he realizes that there's a rose-colored life that he would want, but the writing makes it so that he can't necessarily obtain it, that's great writing. Or at least it's left to your imagination. Like, it's not explicitly done for you, which I really like. Just to sort of comment on the Hachibod thing again, I do think he does have character development, but I agree that because of the nature of Origaru being convoluted in its plot, in its characters, and literally everything, his character development is definitely more entangled in the show. And with Oreki, it's just very linear you can see the growth and it is well done from start to finish and it's not as convoluted and i think that's nice yeah i mean hachiman for sure has development he does come to realize that his high school life is something that's meaningful his relationships in the social aspect are meaningful and so he actually does care about other people's happiness as opposed to what he said initially which is he just wants to fucking live on his own care about his sister right all right, Oreki is the pick I'm hearing, basically. My boy. All right, winner is Hotoro Oreki from Hyoka. Matchup 13, number three... What the fuck? How? <laughs> People number like three seated L from Death Note versus number 30 seated Koro Sensei from Assassination Classroom. How is L people's husbando? You want to wake up to a ghoul, like, looking at you? I mean, to be fair, we just pulled from people's favorite 
characters, favorite male characters. So he sits like a gremlin, dude. <laughs> you wake up, he's sitting in bed, just staring at you. I mean, with how popular Death Note is and how much of a gateway anime it is for a lot of people and how Light and L have this cat and mouse trying to sniff each other out dynamic and L being like a central part of that. I understand why a lot of people like him as a character. He's not a husbando. Like my guy's just going to eat potato chips and just fucking stare at you. I don't want that. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I would have expected Light to be higher ranked. They were really uh, close, actually. The people that watch this show clearly have a certain personality. (laughs) (laughs) Let me talk about Koro-sensei a little bit, I guess, because you haven't seen Assassination Classroom yet, right? Mm -mm. So Assassination Classroom is one of my favorite shows, too. And it's just a very, very solid show. It's multiple seasons long. But the great part about it is it actually has an ending. And (laughs) thank the fucking Lord, because so many shows leave each other that go read the manga ending. And if that has happened for Assassination Classroom, which I fully expected would happen, I would have been really sad. But Assassination Classroom ties up things in a very, very neat way. And Koro-sensei is the center point of the show. He's clearly not a humanoid character. He has this weird octopus tentacle fucking wrapped persona yeah i can't believe we're fucking picking this smiley motherfucker (laughs) dude you know those tentacles are due to you baby (laughs) stop that (laughs) so because at the beginning of assassination classroom the best part about the show is nobody has any idea why they're being taught by this octopus fucking alien thing and so the great part about him is he has that personality where he comes in episode one says the only way that you're going to win is if you can kill me by the end of this year or however long it is. And the confidence there with the ability that he can show that that confidence is well-founded. He's super powerful. He is like a really great dynamic character and also sets up an interesting contrast between him as this like shonen protagonist character and him as this great mentor for his students. Because on one hand, the students have to kill him so they have this war martial training. But at the same time, they also have to learn the traditional like classroom things that you learn in whatever middle school or high school it's just a really cool dichotomy to see on screen very fun character to watch all right fucking dial it in baby all right winner is koro sensei from assassination classroom 14th matchup was number 14 siya kirito from sword art online surprised that's not higher versus number 19 ichigo kurosaki from bleach I mean, Kirito's like the fucking anti-Hispando for me. I don't know anything about Bleach, and yet I still prefer Ichigo. You know how many people you just killed right there? (laughs) I mean, look, I've seen a decent amount of Sora online. Kirito is the classic progenitor for overpowered protagonist who gets all the ladies. Everything just turns out right for him. He's a bland-ass character because he doesn't have to work for anything. He doesn't have any interesting defining character traits. He couldn't be lower on my Hispando ratings. (laughs) I agree with you there. I mean, as a character, he is super, super one-dimensional. Everything just works out for him because he's overpowered, can win literally any battle. He is that loner type that everyone fucking seems to love, and you're just like, why? Literally, why? Ichigo is a pretty good character. I will say of the big three, originally the big three, Bleach had the best initial arc. The Soul Society arc is one of my favorite arcs in shonen anime. One Piece is still my favorite shonen. It's really, really easy to see that as a story, Soul Society arc is amazing. And Ichigo's relationship with Rukia, I fucking love it. So good. As a husbando, I think I would pick my boy. I mean, 
his entire premise of the Soul Society arc, which have you seen no, any I, part I of Bleach? Any Bleach. Uh-uh. Slight spoilers, I guess. So Rukia is essentially from the world of the dead and is there and then somehow gives her powers to Ichigo and breaks the cardinal rule of Soul Society is that you can't give your powers to a fucking normal human being out here. She gets put on trial for like a death sentence and Ichigo has to go save her. And that entire arc when he's going to save her shows his determination, his willingness to bounce back from failure constantly. It's a classic shonen protagonist. It's just a pretty solid character. I will say also, it's a really, really good character design for Ichigo. Yeah. Like he looks really good. He looks hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for a shonen protagonist to look like that is great. I wish we had more of that. Yeah, unfortunately it just goes to shit though. So still hot though <laughs> uh, yeah we'll see when the next season of bleach True. premieres like whenever whenever it does next year i guess all right ichigo it is winner is ichigo from bleach matchup 15 number six seeded Kilua zoldic from hunter hunter versus number 27 seeded Askelad from vinland saga you love hunter hunter i don't know how you feel about Kilua. i really like Kilua. he's a child though so <laughs> He can corrupt to be your Hispando. No. Don't say no. no I'm you saying can, uh, no. <laughs> you can groom him. No, I cannot. <laughs> I do really like Killua, especially his relationship with Gon and exploring more of the Zoldic family. I think that's super interesting. His powers are really cool. And the way he's developed throughout the story, I think is good. As you mentioned, I love Hunter Hunter. I think it has an amazing power system. Some absolute standout characters throughout. Unfortunately, Killua is just too much of a kid to like really be husbando material for me. On the other hand, we have Askeladd from Vinland Saga, who is one of my favorite characters in all of anime. Husbando material is questionable because, you know, my guy lives a Viking life and just wants to pillage shit and conquer towns. Hey man, he's a pretty good dad after he kills your family. He is actually a pretty good dad after, you know, he kills your dad. So yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think his development throughout that season, for me, for the first season of Vinland Saga, he basically is the protagonist. Torfin is there and is the protagonist in name, but it's really about him learning from Askeladd and trying to overcome his trauma and just kind of being edgy. And Askeladd is the centerpiece of the story and really completely steals the show in such a breathtaking way. It's like really, really captivating. So. Yeah, I mean, we can debate maybe in later rounds his actual husbando material, but just because he's actually an adult and because he's one of my favorite characters, he would probably be my pick here. I feel like half of the characters we've talked about are no older than 15 anyway, so. How old is Killua? Killua is like 10, isn't he? Is he really 10? I don't know. That was a guess. Let me look up. Killua age. I'm going to guess 13. He's 12, bro. Oh, I was close. <laughs> Have I said it before on the pod that Hunter Hunter is not my favorite shonen? You've definitely said it's not your favorite shonen. I think you have also said that, I don't know if you've said it's overrated, but I know you like it less than I do. And you've definitely said that on the podcast, which is true. I think it's moderately overrated. I, I don't like talking about things in overrated, underrated. We respectfully disagree. <laughs> See, outside the pod, Yanni would call me a fucking idiot. <laughs> But he's being moderate of himself right now. So, yeah, I mean, the elements of Hunter x Hunter that make it really great are very clear, defined power system. Interesting tournament arcs, some interesting plot lines. I really hated the Chimera Ant arc. I don't know why people like that shit. I love that arc, but there are a lot of people that don't like it as much. York New City fucking slaps, though. 
Yeah, New York City fucking slaps that. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> I don't know how well-developed Killua is. He has an arc with his sibling yeah. that develops him a little bit. There's also a short family arc right after, I think it's right after the Hunter exam. Somewhere in there, there's a Zoltic family arc that's really short. It's only a few episodes. Is that the one where Gon has to actually go and, like, break Killua out? Yeah. yeah. It's just, you see these moments where Killua interacts with Gon and, like, he has an overpowered personality at the beginning. And then I feel like it gets kind of nerfed throughout the show. Yeah, definitely. Which is really surprising to me because I really hate when that happens. <laughs> I just, I don't like him as a character that much. There's nothing about his personality that really speaks to me. Hmm. He's cool. I mean, it's like a cool personality to be able to kill literally anything by fucking just stabbing them and getting really angry. But in any way, comparison to Askeladd, he doesn't hold a fucking candle to the flame out here. That I agree in terms of character development. I did not mean to put those on the same plane because I think yeah. they're not. I do think Kilo has given some interesting motive and I actually kind of like that they deconstruct some of his ruthlessness as he accepts that he can have friends and befriend gone. I do actually kind of like that breakdown. But yeah, just not the same level of character development as Askeladd or anywhere near it. All right, call me daddy Askeladd. Do it. Vinland Saga is the winner. All right, last matchup in round one. We have number 11-seeded Saitama from One Punch Man versus number 22-seeded Goku from Dragon Ball. I feel like we're about to engage in like a can Goku beat Saitama in a fight debate, which I really don't want to do. <laughs> it's funny because I thought of that as soon as we started this, and I was like, <laughs> who do you think would win? I mean, he's One Punch Man, isn't he? <laughs> Goku is literally fucking dies and comes back and beats the shit out of you. You like literally cannot kill this man. Yeah. I honestly don't have that strong of a preference here. I obviously like One Punch Man more as a show. I don't really know about season two, but season one was a really, really good watch when it came out. Animation for the time is amazing by Madhouse. It's a really, I think, clever, enjoyable concept for that first core. And I really enjoyed it for that. Saitama's a fun protagonist. Do I want him as my husbando? Not really. Do I want Goku as my husbando? Like, not really. So, <laughs> I don't know. What do you feel? First of all, small tangent. I have heard, and I understand the argument. Uh, understand's a strong word. <laughs> I know the argument that One Punch Man Season 2 is not good. And people say not good, not even in comparison to Season 1, but just not good. Yeah. I don't understand that. It really kind of annoys me when people jump on the bandwagon of hearing people talk about one Punch Man season two as just being bad. And it's not. Like, it's objectively not. I do not understand when people out here are like, this is just a bad show. I think the only two objective things that degrade from season one to season two is the animation quality. And that was a big selling point of the first season. And then I also think maybe like the one punch gimmick kind of wears off just generally the more you watch it. That's not necessarily like a season one to season two thing, but it kind of wears off over time and that is hard to keep fresh. But yeah, I think sometimes people just parrot that looking at the animation more so than actually looking at the content of season two. But even the animation, like, was it such a noticeable drop that you're like, this is just a bad show now? I don't think it's so noticeable that it's bad. I think it's a noticeable drop, but... You can yeah. still like the show if the plot is good. I will also mention that that season is a huge setup for what's coming up in the future. If it's ever getting adapted. <laughs> Hopefully. One can hope so. Yeah. I bought that One Punch Man art, and I think about that a lot. I'm like, <laughs> did I make a mistake here? But no, it's pretty good art. It's a good piece of art. So coming back to this, Saitama vs. Goku. 
I don't know, dude. This is a hard one. I don't really have strong feelings either. I would maybe default to Saitama because I just prefer One Punch Man and he would be funny to chill with, but I don't feel strongly. My boy could video game with you. He could play some Genshin. Yeah, he would watch. You could fucking jerk to the wife who's with you. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably do that. <laughs> Goku from Dragon Ball is just such a contentious character. Dragon Ball seems to get a lot of flack. I don't really understand why. I mean, I think as everything that is so popular and becomes mainstream in some way, it's going to inevitably catch a lot of flack. And of course, it has that trope of all these power-ups happening all the time and people fucking powering up and shouting for like four episodes to just finish one fight. Like it obviously does suffer from those things. And I think people in the anime space still recognize what it did for Shonen and how important it is in the history of anime regardless. I think the big thing that's also pushing me towards Saitama is this is one time where I cannot watch Dragon Ball in the sub. I kind of have to watch it in the dub. Oh, wow. Because Goku's voice in the sub makes me want to <laughs> die. And, like, this is not a fault of the voice actor. The voice acting, great. But just the way that Goku sounds in the sub, especially when he's yelling, makes me want to fucking pierce my eardrums. <laughs> If it doesn't do it for you, it doesn't do it for you. I don't know what to say. But it sounds like we're both leading Saitama slightly. We'll give it last round of round one, Saitama. All right. So now we've had initial debates about all of the characters. We whittled it down from 32 to 16. So I think the rest of these rounds should hopefully go a little bit faster unless we like really fucking disagree. But we've already laid the groundwork for why we like all the characters. So... Let's move back up and get into the round of 16. First matchup is 32-seeded Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu versus 16th-seeded Kamina from Gurren Lagan. Is it Lagan or Lagan? It's actually Tengen Topa Gurren Lagan fully. It's Gurren Lagan. So I speak a different language, Gujarati, and Lagan would be A-A-N, and it said it's A-N-N. All right, I'm not going to pick this over your fucking... Nice piece of ass here. I mean, Hinata might be a good character and sort of the archetype of a sports anime protagonist, but Kami's hot, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was easy. Winner is Kamina from Gurren Lagann. Second matchup is number eight-seeded Naruto Uzumaki from Naruto versus number nine-seeded Hachiman Hikigaya from Origairu. I'm going to pull for Naruto. Oh, wow. Interesting. I just don't... Do you okay? My question is: Are you pulling for Naruto more because you like Hachiman as a character, but you're not sold on the husbando factor, or because yes. you actually think Naruto is a good husbando? I mean, do you know how many things he could do to you with a Rasengan man? God, stop that! <laughs> not everything's about sex, Robbie. <laughs> it's a husbando bracket. <laughs> okay, but it sounds like it's more because you're kind of man on the husbando factor for Hachiman, so you're just pulling for the other one. Yes, I think that's exactly how I feel. <sighs> Similarly to you, do not feel strongly as Hachiman as a husbando. I feel strongly about him as a character and for Origairu as a show. Exactly. As a motivator for the narrative of Origairu, he's a fantastic character. Would I want him as my husbando? Not really. Those dead fish eyes. I also don't want Naruto as my husbando, but like we have to make a choice here. So. Dude, you could wake up every fucking morning to that Shia LaBeouf, believe it. No. This man would fucking just be yelling at you. He'd be such a great Hokage. No, fuck that. I don't want to wake up to that every day. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Hachiman as a husbando because like it just comes back to the question of relatability. It's weird because 
as his friend, he'd care for you and go out of his way to do things for you that would help make your life better. But at what cost to him? He sacrifices a lot for himself that he doesn't realize is a cost for himself, which is why he's somewhat hated in the show, which always leads to a lot of the conflicts that you see. And do I want that as my husbando? I mean, he definitely has a sacrificial mentality also that is kind of problematic if someone's going to be your husbando. He's the first to just self-deprecate himself and make everybody hate him in order to make things better for you. And sometimes I'm just like, you don't need to go about it that way, bro. We can talk this out. <laughs> Let me treat you a little bit, please. Yeah. All right. We'll settle on Naruto. I'm, I'm okay with that. Even though I have to claim that I don't want him as my husbando, actually. <laughs> <laughs> He's not your final husbando. Okay. All right. So winner is Naruto from Naruto. Matchup number three in this round, we have number four seeded Monkey D. Luffy from One Piece versus Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. Do you think Gojo's just going to win it all? I don't know if he's going to win it all, but it's possible. <laughs> I've seen 750-some episodes of One Piece, and I've seen like 10 episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen. You've seen 24 plus a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, but Gojo's so hot. <laughs> Are we going to do this based on sex appeal? Because, yeah, I'll give it to Gojo. I mean, we could do it however we want. I think if we're going to break down sex appeal, obviously it's Gojo. If we're going to break down O-penis, it's probably also Gojo. I think the reason you would argue for Luffy is the attachment you have to the yeah. character from so much time, which makes a lot of sense. I have none of that attachment. I think as a husbando, Gojo, yeah, for sure. I think that's probably it. Gojo would treat you, man. Yeah. All right, winner, that was so easy. Winner is Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. Matchup number four, we have number five-seeded Rintaro Okabe from Steinsgate versus number 12-seeded Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. This is one that we may actually be torn on. This is a hard one. This is a hard one. <laughs> Why don't you give your thoughts first? They're both amazing characters. Let's just get that out of the way. Amazing characters, amazing shows, so I don't really think that can be the deciding factor. I think... The problem with Okabe is the same thing that I said earlier as a husbando. If we're getting more serious Okabe and I'm not getting the entire mad scientist persona all the time, obviously that would be fun from time to time. But if that's turned on all the time, I can't stand that. <laughs> like That's just like <laughs> way too much and it's entertaining for the show. And I understand all the backstory behind it, but I don't know if I could do that as my husbando. That's like the one caveat to Okabe. If we're talking about Spike, he's obviously traumatized the shit. He's definitely more of like a grown up character and would be really fun to chill with and is really funny and a really interesting person to just spend time with and float through space on the bebop and all these kind of things, but obviously comes with a ton of trauma. Of course, we can love people with trauma, but am I expected to talk him through everything that happened with Vicious and Julia? I don't know if I want that. This is hard because on pure sex appeal, Spike Spiegel, any day. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. When I think of a husbando, I think of, you know, a really good friend as well. And Okabe would be such a good friend. He would care for you. You sure he'd be a little weird, a little <laughs> mad sciencey, but uh, yeah. if you can put up with that, I think he'd be a really great husbando. I think the other thing for me that is problematic slightly about Okabe is, of course, sex appeal is not the end-all be-all for his bandos. I mean, he's pretty hot. Let's oh, I have like zero sexual attraction to Okabe. <laughs> like, really? As zero as possible, <laughs> yeah. And that's what makes it a little bit tougher, but I could definitely go either way. 
I love both of these characters. I think if I had to pick, I would probably end up going with Spike. But if you feel much more strongly about Okabe, we can go with that. thing is, I don't feel much more strongly because I'm also split. Because Cowboy Bebop is one of my favorite shows, and so is Steins Gate. And Spike's role in Cowboy Bebop is, again, that like suave, confident, yeah. funny, gregarious personality where... This man's going to show up, he's going to beat the shit out of you, and then he's going to fucking call it a day. He's going to go for a smoke, he's going to go eat some just bell peppers, no meat, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great show. And the entire dynamic on board the Bebop, it's Spike. Also, you get jazz. Don't you want jazz? And you get jazz. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. Also right. Spike. Winner is Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. We're starting to look spicy for the next round. It's going to get hard. Next matchup, number two seeded Levi from Attack on Titan versus number 15 seeded Joseph's Joestar from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Speaking of spicy, we're getting spicy. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think when you talk about mass appeal right now, Levi. But when you talk about better developed characters, probably Joseph, right? Yeah, he's definitely one of the characters that has the most longevity and impact throughout the franchise's multiple parts. And I think that definitely said something. I think if it's like a pure popularity contest, obviously because of the seating, you'd have to go with Levi. My only reason to sort of not just go with that is because of what we talked about earlier, the slightly lacking character development. Like, I don't feel like I know that much about Levi. He's very cool in battles. He's hot with that maid outfit. (laughs) When he cleans the house, I'm gonna be turned on. (laughs) But if we're talking about like actual personality, Joseph has that in fucking spades every second that he's on screen your eyes are just glued to what he's doing and he definitely has a lot more personality uh but levi's voice dude true and of course joseph with that vibrant personality brings a lot more fuckboyness <laughs> and slight spoiler but my guy's probably not going to be faithful <laughs> if, we're, if we're looking for that talking about your boy joseph yeah really yeah i mean i don't want to spoil it for you but yeah That's kind of a thing. It's not what you want, dude. I'm not about that. It's probably not what you want. Honestly, if it were purely up to me, I think I'd still pick Joseph because of the grandeur of the character. But I think we probably should go with Levi, given that we're both pretty high on him as a husbando here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I mean, Levi in Attack on Titan, in terms of attractiveness, maybe doesn't have the highest sex appeal. But his actions throughout the show, his ability to literally get himself out of any situation and survive is super hot. And so we can give it to him for that one. Yeah. Okay, winner is Levi from Attack on Titan. Punch it in, baby. Next matchup is number 26-seeded Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler versus number 23-seeded Hotoro Oreki from Hyoka. Dude, Black Butler, any day. Sebastian's sex appeal is off the charts. As a husbando, like I said, he would wait on you hand and foot. He would do things to you. He was <laughs> so happy. Versus Oreki out here, the fucking rose-colored tinted bullshit. Like, uh, <laughs> or out. You just spent the last round talking about how much you like that. And now you're like, oh, this bullshit. My sexy maid is here, baby. <laughs> People can change their opinions out here. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Just even from looking at the character designs and how much I like Oreki as a character. Sebastian's just, he's just got it, man. He's off the charts. Yeah. All right. Number 30 seated Koro Sensei from Assassination Classroom versus number 19 seated Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. All you. I mean, literally, all I have to say about this matchup is one has a smiley face for a head and the other one doesn't, but otherwise, I don't care. 
Koro Sensei is one of my favorite characters in Shonen. <laughs> Compared to Ichigo, yeah, you really can't make that comparison because Ichigo, again, it's like the cardboard cutout big three shonen protagonist. He doesn't have the rags to riches backstory that Naruto does. But does he really differ from any major shonen protagonist? Not really. I gotta give this one to Koro-sensei. That's fine. But like you have a kink for little smiley heads, apparently. Octopus tentacles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did Demon Slayer the movie just get through with all those tentacle scenes. Like, nobody really talked about them. We talked about it. I know we talked about it, but, like, there hasn't been a general consensus that that was a little fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know. At least to me. I haven't seen anything on Twitter. I haven't seen that much talk about it. I mean, there were a few comments talking about how the CGI looked kind of weird in that scene, and yeah, it does. I took my friend to it who hadn't seen a single episode of anime ever, and he was like... Mistake. He didn't even notice it until afterwards when I was like, uh... Yeah, I mean, there were some elements to it that are a little weird. He's like, oh, what do you mean? I was like, well, the tentacle scene. <laughs> and the thing is, he knows the existence of hentai because he makes fun of me all the time for watching hentai. Yeah, which you do. I still haven't. We still have to do a hentai episode at some point, which means we're going to have to drink. Drink. We have to watch <laughs> a shit ton of hentai. <laughs> we probably are going to have to drink to get through. That's a different thing. <laughs> we should do that together. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Um, what was well, hentai with about? senpai, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah, my friend. Yeah. So he was like, <laughs> he was like, he didn't notice the tentacles. Yeah. That's what tentacles look like in anime, and I'm like, no, dude, that's not what tentacles look like in anime. Fuck. I'm not going to a fucking theater with like 14 year olds watching hentai out here. Like, also, you photobols not here animating your hentai scenes. I'm sorry. You don't know that. I do know that. <laughs> All right, All let's right. move on to the last matchup of this round of 16. All right, number 27 seeded Askeladd from Vinland Saga versus number 11 seeded Saitama from One Punch Man. I think given how ambivalent we were on Saitama, it's probably going to be Askeladd, right? Yeah, a little hot Viking action. Let's put it in. Do it, baby. My ass. I'm leaving that in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, round of eight. What is it? Quarterfinals. (laughs) Oh, quarterfinals. Okay, yeah. He said the round of eight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First matchup is number 16th seeded Kamina from Gurren Lagann versus number eight seeded Naruto Uzumaki from Naruto. I feel like you're the only one that's going to care about this. Yeah, it's Kamina. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't cared for Naruto since the beginning of this bracket. And you also did not care that much. You kind of picked him because you cared more about the other ones not moving on. What if I just play devil's advocate here? And say Don't Naruto. fucking do that. <laughs> hmm. With seeding, Kamina would then die. So That's true. All right, well, fuck it. I'll give it to Kamina. Although I am so jealous he gets that hot girl from that show. You got to watch Girl Like God. Yeah, at some point I will. You'll like it. All right, moving on will be Kamina from Girl Like God. Next matchup. Number 13 seated Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen versus number 12 seated Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. This is macho y macho, right? This could really fucking be the final, honestly. Damn, we were having a hard time with Spike Spiegel and Okabe. We also keep talking about how Spike is like literally going to fucking kill himself in the next <laughs> episode. So That is probably the deciding factor for me if you make me pick. 
we're taking on a lot of baggage with Spike. And like, maybe we are with Gojo. I don't really know that much about his backstory. Clearly there is some stuff that happened, which is referenced in the movie. So I like, don't spoil it, but he does have more to his backstory. But I think if you're making me pick, I'm either chilling on the Bebop, hearing about Spike's trauma, or I'm chilling with Gojo, watching him do cool shit, probably getting trained just watching movies, having him rebel against the establishment. Trained watching movies? Dude, he gets the shit kicked out of him by a teddy bear. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, well, we can watch the movies without the teddy bear if it's like cuddle time, you know? Oh yeah. Mask on or mask off? <laughs> Either one, baby. No, I need that ultimate domain expansion. <laughs> you can domain expand in me. <laughs> I know something's expanding when I'm looking oh, at Gojo. Yeah. And it's a really hard one. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> God damn it. This episode is unhinged. <laughs> I guess I would vote for Gojo just because of all the trauma stuff that we've talked about and how, like, okay, spoilers for Kawa Bebop. Spike clearly has this death wish. Even him getting fucking begged by Faye to not leave the Bebop, not go to his death, to stay with them, to stay with all of his friends, and he still goes. He's going to leave me heartbroken at some point. That's just going to happen, right? So that's like the one deciding factor for me, I think. I don't know if you agree. I do agree with that. I guess the other question I had is, do you really think that Gojo is further developed in Zero? I feel like we spent extra time with him, but there just wasn't anything compelling to develop him as a character. He just has the same personality. I wouldn't say he's a lot more developed, but we just see events that have been referenced in the main show that he's a part of, so that's one thing. And then we do get little snippets of his relationship with one of the antagonists of Jujutsu Kaisen that makes me intrigued to like where that backstory is going. And at least knowing, okay, slight spoilers, that they have a history together, that they were really, really close friends before unnamed events happened. So that to me is, it's some development. I wouldn't say it's a crazy amount of development just in the movie, but... It progressed him in some ways, I think. All right, winner is Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. Next matchup, number two seeded Levi from Attack on Titan versus number 26 seeded Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler. I do not find Levi a compelling husbando enough to vote him against Sebastian. I think Sebastian should win. I cannot speak to like actual character development so that part is hard for me to me these are both two amazing looking men and i would like to be stepped on by either i'm a little annoyed that you don't feel strongly and we didn't move joseph on from the last round you had the argument it was you you argued against yourself well i said if it was up to me i would pick joseph but i understand that more generally levi's kind of the pick here for most people especially the fuckboy aspect even you are like hey i don't think i want joseph as my husband maybe i want to be cheated on <laughs> you hear that hope <laughs> are you hearing this i don't want to be okay i'm happy to go with sebastian here love levi he's hot but we have other things to look at so do we sebastian yeah <laughs> Black Butler, it's just not a good show, though. Oh, he's doubting himself. So this is another example of it's hard to play up a really good character from a bad show. Sebastian is a little easier than the other ones just because his only role in this show is husbando material. Like, he exists solely to be preyed on by men and women like myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I can see him moving through to the finals. Anyway. Last matchup, number 30 seated Koro Sensei from Assassination Classroom versus number 27 seated Askeladd from Vinland Saga. There is literally nothing you can do to convince me that a fucking smiley 
should move ahead of a human. <laughs> There's literally nothing you can do. I think Koro Sensei should actually win. I know. I knew you were going to say that, and I'm absolutely vetoing the shit out of it. How? <laughs> Dude, you haven't seen it. He is such a compelling care. character. Such a good character. I'm happy for you. If we're talking about character development, first of all, you even have to agree that Askeladd is more compelling of a character. In terms of character development? Yeah. You haven't seen Koro Sensei. I'm not saying I'm arguing that because obviously I have not seen Assassination Classroom, but I am asking you to decide which one is more well-developed as a character. I mean, what do we get for development for Askeladd besides the initial, I'm going to murder your family and then, hey, I'll be your daddy? That is a lot of transition to go through. He goes through literally being this heartless Viking that is literally willing to do whatever it takes to basically continue moving forward towards his goals, even killing someone that he really respects, to then having to basically raise his son, actually become a father figure. And then don't forget the fucking ending, which I really don't want to spoil, but the ending really contextualized him as one of my personal favorite characters in anime. He's just so well done throughout the entire season. <laughs> That's hard, man. Koro-sensei is a great character. Yeah, but like... he's a fucking smiley. There's a negative sex appeal here. He's so... got tentacles. <laughs> This is hard because as a mentor, as a character, Koro-sensei in Assassination Classroom is fantastic. And again, that dichotomy I pointed out with challenging the students to kill him. But then by the end of the show, all the students love him. And that's the hardest part of the show is that they have to kill him even though they love him is such oh, great spoilers. development. What do you mean? It's the entire point of the show. <laughs> that doesn't mean it happens. Anyways, I'm not debating that he's a well-written character or that he is compelling. I am just saying... This is the husbando bracket. We cannot allow a smiley tentacle octopus to be in our fucking final four. Why not? It. Absolutely not. You know how much I hate insects and fishy life, like unless I'm eating it, I don't need that. Even just going to the ocean and trying to snorkel, I have anxiety about coral reef objects and fish. Sorry, like, I touching can't get me. past the. Did you just say insects and fishy life? No. <laughs> Insects, insects. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I like literally just spent like 10 seconds just sitting here being like, did you just say insects and fishy life? <laughs> anyway, this is going to be just the disagreement. We're going to have to default. I'm very sorry. You're not even giving <laughs> my boy a chance. You're not going to get me with that fucking character design. I can't do it. All right. Well... Let it be known that I would have voted for Korra Sensei, but winner is Askeladd from Vinland Saga because of our stupid rules. <laughs> we have to decide somehow. Do you want to flip a coin? Nope. Round of four. <laughs> Semi-finals, you dumbass. <laughs> All right. We have first matchup, number 16th seeded Kamina from Goran Lagan versus number 13th seeded Satoru Gosho from Jujutsu Kaisen. Which man has more sex appeal for you, Yanni? Uh, I would rationalize this with spoilers is the problem. And I can't do that. But I would pick Gojo for all the reasons we already talked about. And the only slight lock on Kamida is the thing that I can't say. And I mean, we've outlined through this whole thing. Gojo is just kind of the complete package. So I feel like we're really pandering to the audience right now. Look, listen, Ravi. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's not sexy. <laughs> this hurts. I'm having a rough time. 
I'm going to do it, but I'm going to have a rough time saying it. All right. Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen is in the final. Call us basic. <laughs> Fucking do it. I dare you. This is still the 13 seed. All right. The question is, how far is Askeladd going to go? We have number 26 seeded Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler versus number 27 seeded Askeladd from Vinland Saga. Convince me. I'm going to let you have more of the final say. The only thing I want to say is that really this is a matchup between fundamentally what do I look for when I say a character is my husbando? Do I want literally the definition of a husbando in Sebastian where the rest of the show is probably not that good, doesn't give him that much development, but he's like everything perfectly in a box that you could want in a husbando? Or do I value my husbando to be more of a well-developed, interesting character that Probably has less husbando qualities. Less husbando qualities? This man's <laughs> fucking pillaging out here, dude. He's killing families. And I think either one is probably a valid argument. Not specifically Ascalon versus Sebastian. I mean, generally your philosophy of well-developed character versus hottie with a body. I assume you are going to go for Sebastian. Honestly, yeah. I think I have to go for Sebastian in this one. Just because in this bracket, as husbando material, he's almost second to none. As a character, I agree with you that Askeladd is a yeah. better character, better developed, in a better context, just from a good show. How can I rationalize Sebastian besides that? I don't think you need anything else. Like, I think that's perfectly valid, to be honest. All right. I guess we're going to put him through. Do it. Winner is Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler. All right. Final matchup. No, no. The round, round of two. two. <laughs> Here we are. Oh, number 13th seeded Satoru Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen versus number 26th seeded Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler. I know what's going through your head right now, so let me predict it. If you actually were questioned on this, I think you would pick Gojo because he is a better character that I don't know if you find hotter, but like, just more well-rounded. Jujutsu Kaisen is a better show than Black Butler. But I feel it from here that you want to be different. You want to be a pick-me-girl right now and not pick <laughs> what everybody expects you to pick. That's like really what your heart wants, but you know what the right answer is here. <laughs> uh. It physically pains you to pick a basic quote-unquote answer. <laughs> The question is, do we go with the older than you, right? When we think of husbandos, again, it blows my mind that no one from Yuri on Ice is here. But I think someone from Yuri on Ice would have gone pretty far through. Well, haven't neither of us seen it? So that's kind of hard. <laughs> All of our guests have mentioned it. Everyone said like, yeah. oh man, great show. Sebastian, I think, was the archetype for his bando, especially as it was airing. Gojo, though... I think is the current Hisbando. I think yeah. probably has the highest sex appeal of any character on this list. Yeah. Probably one of the most fun, engaging characters who I think both of us will love as yeah. our Hisbando. I'm fine with saying Gojo wins. Let's fucking do it. Call us basic. Log on to Twitter. Look at this bracket. Call us basic. Do it. Fucking do it. I dare you. I fucking dare you. <laughs> Are you talking to the audience or are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm talking to the audience. Okay, all right. <laughs> Yana's giving me the fucking, hey, do it. Do it, I do dare it. you. Fucking do it. <laughs> he's giving me the eyebrows. You can't see it, but he's giving me the eyebrows. <laughs> Listen, man. Also, we fucking took a long time on that 
bracket. Holy fuck, that's like a two plus just, hour episode. Just two hours. Just he over said two just. Hours. All right. Well, we basically wrapped up the bracket. We'll post like a little graphic of our final four and how the bracket ended up. We'll also post the entire bracket, like I mentioned, if you want to fill it out yourself from start to finish. Let us know on Twitter or anywhere else who would have won the bracket for you. Did you agree with our takes or not? What makes a husbando for you? Did you wish someone else from a different show was in here? Actually, Ravi, do you have any big husbandos that were missing from this bracket? Was there any one super glaring for you? Hmm. I think for me, the, I don't know, big ones that were missing, but a few that I would have considered. Oh, Shinji. <laughs> no, fuck off. Someone give me Shinji, please. <laughs> I would have liked one of the two characters, one of the two male characters. I'm more of a Tai Chi person, but one of the two male characters from Chihaya for would have been really nice. I think they're like both hot and very well developed. I love Banana Fish as sort of one of my favorite, just kind of underrated shows that has a great story and a really great relationship. Ash is pretty hot, so that would have been a really nice one to have in there as well. Yeah, I think um, looking through my mail now, Decim from Death Parade, I think would have been a really cool pick. Uh, it would have been a fun discussion to have him on there. Rock from Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon is just one of my favorite shows. It's contentious, I guess. A lot of people may not like it just because the elements are kind of dark. And the storyline is a bit episodic. But Rock has some of the best character development in anime that I have ever seen. I think he would be a really fun character to have on here. Who's the guy from Clan Ad? Tomoya. Tomoya, yeah. That's not for me. <laughs> you don't think Tomoya would have been a good character? I mean, I think he's a good character. I don't think he's in my favorite husband. Oh, fuck. Go on. Miyamura. Oh, yeah. Miyamura, bro. That would have been a good one. I mean, I'm not as attached to Horibia as you are. Over the pandemic, I was like, damn, how do I get the Miyamura haircut? Do I want a piercing? I will say, long hair Miyamura, hot. Cutting his hair, kind of basic. Like, I much preferred the long hair version. He uh, he did pander to the audience a little bit. Yeah. There, but uh, I think Shiragane from Kaguya-sama would have been a good one. I'm surprised we didn't have any Kaguya representation Howl here. Howl from Howl's Moving Castle. I don't like Howl's Moving Castle, but Howl is hot. So <sighs> that's fair. All right, we could fantasize about this all day, but maybe we'll just leave it there. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Like I mentioned oh, earlier, let us know Lancer from Fate? Oh, Fate character would have been good. I'm surprised actually that it wasn't a Fate character. Yeah. Like I'm surprised Kiritsugu wasn't on here. Kiritsugu's a fucking piece of shit. Sure, but he's in the stereotype of like really popular characters that I would expect to be high on Mal. Oh, who's the psychopath guy? Kogami. Kogame would have given a good one also. Stop naming more husbandos. We can talk about this all day. All right, so hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Like I mentioned earlier, let us know who would have won the bracket for you and who was missing in this bracket, who your favorite husbandos are. Next episode, we're going to be talking about modern rom-coms, I think. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere like that. Smash that subscribe button. Use Apple Podcasts and you can leave us a rating and a review. That would be super helpful. Oh, dude, Kaimon. Oh my God, please stop. <laughs> Could you imagine waking up to that fucking alligator head shit? <laughs> I need to end this recording really badly. All right, I think I actually got through everything. So we've been the Pocket Panther Lads. I will catch you all in the next one.